never be so, too proud that we won't call them by name when they're lost and going to hell. We get proud sometimes. We get kids and grandkids that are so lost, and it's almost like we, we get ashamed if someone lifts up a prayer for them. Call them by name. We cried out Tuesday for backsliders. And call them by name. Amen? Sometimes we get a little proud, you know what I mean? We're praying for everyone, this, that, and warts, and we pray for everything in the world. And, and some people are lost. Amen? They're lost. <laughs> they don't know Christ. They're backslid. No matter how cute they were when they were a baby, they're not saved. They're not saved. And let's um, get our prayers to grip our hearts with what matters. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go to James 4. And we're in verse 13. We are finally in the second part of the fourth chapter of James. But that grips me. That grips me. We ought to cry. We ought to be weeping for souls. Calling them by name. They're lost. They're backslid. Amen. God, bring them back. Do what you got to do. We're not going to justify nothing. We're not going to, you know, cover it. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. James, the fourth chapter, if you would look at verse 13, and we're going to read this second half now. Now listen. He's getting their attention. Can you pay attention? You who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or that city, we're going to spend a year there and carry on business, and we're going to make some money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Now that's a sermon, right? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Boy, that's clear and to the point, isn't it? You see, James, he begins the fourth chapter as we spent a good month or so talking about the war between the brethren, the war between the carnal and the Lord. And now he ends this chapter talking about the will of God. And we say, well, what does that have to do with one another? Well, actually, the two themes are related in this sense. When a believer is out of the will of God. He brings trouble, not blessing. You think of what Lot did. You think of David's sin. You think of Achan, right? Achan's covetousness. And it cost the nation a battle, cost his family their lives. When we think about um, Jonah's disobedience, we think of even Abraham and what trouble he brought to his wife where he put, because he chose to leave the promised land. So again, when we don't walk in the will of God, we bring trouble and not blessing. And we, that trouble brings ripple effects. It doesn't just affect us, it affects all those that we encounter. The fact is, God has a plan for our lives, and friend, it's a good plan. And we'll dig into it a little later. So don't be afraid of the will of God. Don't be afraid of the will of God. God's a good God, he's got a good plan. Doing it his way is the best way. Don't be afraid of the will of God. He's too wise to make a mistake, too loving to be unkind. So we should love his will and we should desire his will. 
and always do our best to know and obey and walk in the will of God. Listen, life is short. You'll never stand before God one day regretting you did the will of God. When you die, and you will, some sooner than others, you will never regret doing the will of God. You'll regret a lot of things. You'll never regret the will of God. <laughs> Again, we want to build on the word, the will of God. Amen? We were taught to pray, thy will be done. We were taught to put that first in our lives, weren't we? Now, in this section, James points out three attitudes towards the will of God. Number one, ignoring the will of God. Number two, disobeying the will of God. And then lastly, obeying the will of God. So we, we start out with ignoring the will of God. And he starts out 13 and 14. Pay attention. Listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go here, there, do this, do that, spend money, make money. He says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You might not make it to the parking lot. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. What is our life? So ignoring the will of God. Most likely he's addressing the wealthy merchants that were part of that congregation. And it sounds like they were discussing their business deals, kind of boasting about their plans with no evidence that God was ever sought was ever um, sought for his will, his wisdom, was asked for his blessing. They measured success by how they got their way and accomplished their plans, those self-made men. You know, John MacArthur writes about the, this thought here, and he makes an interesting comment on in verse 13. He says, James doesn't condemn wise business planning, but rather planning that leaves out God. These people so depicted, he called them, are practical atheists. Practical atheists. You can call yourself a Christian, but how do you act? You can say anything, but how do you live? They would call themselves Christians and the members of the First Assembly of James's Church. But they lived their lives and made their plans and didn't even ask God. They lived like atheists, though they called themselves Christians. Practical atheists living their lives... Making their plans as if God didn't exist. Such conduct is inconsistent with a true believer. For a true believer, he or she submits themselves, therefore, to God. We yield to the Lord. We seek first that kingdom. Let's look at a few things. Know some things about the will of God. Number one, it, God's will is a good will. God's will is a good will. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12 and, and, and 1 and 2. Beseech you, brother, and I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Don't be like the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Get that word in there. Get that word in there. Amen. Get the junk out. Get the word in. Renewing. Then you'll be able to test approve what God's will is. His what? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's a good will. Now, now we've got to pause for a second. We know the Bible says God is good, and what he does is good. We know his will is good, but remember, his will is, it's how I live out life, not just how I make a decision. 
We, we got this thing of the will down. Just when we, we need problems. We need a decision. I need to know God's will. Folks, the will of God is every Sunday you get up. And it's the Lord's day. And you need to be in God's house. That's the will of God. See what that Bible says? That's the will of God. Isn't that right? So the, the will of God is not just some kind of, I need some insight I don't have. The will of God is just doing what these to say, what would Jesus do? It's doing what God would do in every situation. That's the will of God. Amen? What would glorify Christ in this situation? What would, be the, what would Jesus do? That's the will of God. Amen? Boss is mean to you. You don't cuss him out. That's not the will of God. They didn't treat you nice. You're just going to leave. No, that's not the will of God. See, we, 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 we got to get back to what is the will of God and what is good. Because we misdefine what good is. Good doesn't mean comfortable, pleasing to my senses, happy, make me happy. That's not it at all. How many know that Jesus went to a cross? And how many know that was good? How many know that didn't feel good? That, that, that wasn't easy. That wasn't comfortable. How many know that the Bible says that Jesus, in the very beginning of his ministry, was led of the Spirit, of the Spirit now, into the wilderness to be what? Tested, tried, proven, qualified. How many know that didn't feel good, but it was good, and it was God's will for his life? So as we decide to go, this is Wednesday night, this is the next notch, this is next level Christianity. Amen. This is more than the once a month stuff. Amen. But the, the will of God is something that we have to recognize means pleasing God as we follow the path and leading of God. You see, it's not just merely, I, I didn't like it. It wasn't to my taste. That has nothing to do with the will of God. Amen. Are you following me? So we number one, the, the will of God is good. The will of, we have to know it's good. And, and God's will, let's not limit our understanding of God's will and God's will being good. Some people, well, God's good, then I can leave. I can run. I, no, no, that's God's will. One's definition of good might need to be adjusted. You know, um, Mama used to say, eat your vegetables. They don't taste good, but they're good for you. Amen? Isn't that right? Take your vitamin. I don't want to take them, but it's good for you. All right. All right. Now, so number one, I want you to know God's will is good. But we have to know enough of our Bible to understand what God considers good. Amen? And we have to recognize that the will of God doesn't always mean it's comfortable for me. In fact, if you're going to be a real disciple... Jesus says, listen, you can't even get to elementary school. Forget getting your Ph.D. You don't get elementary school if you don't pick up your, pick up your what? Not your waterbed. No, 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 not your ice cream social. Pick up your cross and follow me. Remember years ago, Bob Mumford was teaching at, at one of our at college, and, and he said, what's, what's the will, what's the cross? That's where your will crosses God's, and you do God's. Amen? There have been a lot of things I don't want to do. A lot of places I didn't want to go. But God said, go. I said, yes, Lord. I've hesitated in times past. Got my, you know, got my little, you know, you know when you train a puppy? I never had a lot of dogs. Mom always had a dog. Always had a poodle. I know when you trained them and you're housebreaking them, you roll up that newspaper and give them a swat on that nose. Isn't that right? And you try teaching them something. And after a while, all you got to do is roll up that paper and that dog starts. 
Well, I got smacked on the nose by God a few times, more than a few times, especially in those younger years. And I learned after a while, just when I heard heaven starting to roll up that newspaper, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, you said do it. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to repent. I'll do this. I don't like it, but I'll go there, and I'll go there with a smile, God. Amen? Because we've got to learn something about the will of God. We've missed the will of God. We don't even know what it is in so many parts of the church. We've equated my comfort, my personal desire. Oh, the will of God is good, but I've got to know what good means from God's perspective. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Help us, Jesus. God's will is good. And secondly, God's will is obtainable. You can attain the will. It's, you can have the will. You can know the will. You can walk in the will of God. It's not some grand mystery. Yes, we have to die to ourselves. Yes, sometimes we have to seek it. This is not super duper clear. Some things are clear. Thou shalt not lie. Well, that's an easy one. Amen? Treat your wife right. That's an easy one, right? Don't got to pray about that, do you? Right? It's an easy one. Isn't that right? Don't have to call the prayer line. No, no. God will tell you, if not, she will. I mean, the Bible is clear. Isn't that true? But some things, hey, I don't know. Some things I don't know is clear. Amen? Take that job, take that job. Choose that or choose something. Some things aren't clear. Then you got to, then it helps if you know God. You see, some people don't take the time to develop a relationship with God. Then they need some help from God, and they interrupt it. They never got acquainted with that voice. Amen? There have been many a times I wanted to do something, and after I got done groaning a bit with God, God said, son, I don't like your motives in this. Amen? You know what God told me one time? I never, I can still see it. I'm in a parsonage. I can see it as clear as I'm seeing you. The phone rang, and it was the district. And they said, did you hear about such and such a place? I said, yeah, sure did. Praying for him. God help that man. No, God help that group. And um, it was the assistant to the superintendent. Well, superintendent thinks you're the, you're the man for the job. And I said, oh, well, <laughs> if that's what he thinks, he can send my resume in. And uh, we'll pray it through on this end because I respected that superintendent very highly. And I got off the phone. And then we got my resume yet. God speaks to my heart. You're going to go there. I'm as loud as I'm talking here, but inside in my spirit. You're going to go there, you're going to take a lot of arrows, and you're going to shut up about it. Went there. For the most part, I shut up about it. Not all, but I, I, I took a lot of arrows, and for the most part, I did shut up about it. You know, I wasn't perfect, but I did better than I thought I would. Amen. So the, the, the will of God is not always, I, I don't want to go there. Half of them don't like me. I don't want to spend two and a half years winning over Bunch of rebels. No, I, I, no, I didn't mean that. I want to go somewhere where they're cheering me on. I want to go somewhere I kind of like it better. I like that suburb better than. What is that to me? God says, "You follow me. You do my will. You, what you like don't matter." God says, "I'm God. You're my servant." This is what I want you to do and have a good attitude about it. Wow. Remember, the attitude matters. There's the will of God as far as geography, but then there's the will of God as far as inward motivation. You need to be in the will of God with the right attitude in the will of God, doing the plan of God. 
You can be in the right place doing the wrong thing. You can be in the right place with the wrong attitude. And God says, you're in the right place, but your attitude stinks and I don't like it. I'm getting ahead of the notes. I'm beyond the notes. We, we, we just went. Talking about the will of God. Amen? We made this thing such a mystery. Hallelujah. Where's my scripture? I want John 7, 17. The will of God's attainable. The will of God's attainable. This is New King James Version. Jesus said, anyone who wills to do my will. Woo! Anyone who wills. You got a will to do God's will. Some don't will to do God's will. They don't want to do God's will. They'll like it as long as it's convenient. But if it messes with their lifestyle, I don't want it. But if you will to do God's will, you'll know. Jesus says concerning him, is, you can know if I am he. You can know if my teaching, if you desire it, the Father will make it known to you. If you have a sincerity in your heart, if you really want to know the will of God, he's given us his spirit within, his word without. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? He said, if you lack wisdom and you ask me, I'll give it. He said, my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He said, the sons of God are led by the... Wow. So it's attainable is what I'm saying. Amen? Now, we've all, uh, you know, we've all missed it from time to time, right? Sometimes well-meaning. Sometimes we just knew we thought maybe, you know, we could do pull a fast one on God and, and God, you know, uh-uh, not so fast. So, Amen? I don't want to be in a place one time. This wasn't a church. This was before the church. And so I saw some preacher on TV just, you know, blab it and grab it, you know, type of deal. Just write it down. I wrote it down. Put it on the fridge. After about a second day, I looked at that guy and said, get that garbage off. You're going to be here the whole length of time. And I don't want you whining about it. Because i got a work to do in you. And you can't be half-baked. I mean, some of you cooks know about this, right? If you got to put it in there for 45 minutes, you can't pull it out in 30, can you? Isn't that right? You put that cake, I know Jim's a great cook here. He makes oh, good stuff there. And you can't take that cake out half the time and come out falling apart on you. It's not cooked. It's not baked. A lot of Christians are half-baked. Because they don't stay on the potter's wheel to endure the whole thing God's trying to do in their lives. As soon as it gets a little uncomfortable, they run. But if they would have stayed dead, God really could have done that deep work in their heart. You see? Hey, ministry that costs us nothing is worth nothing. A walk with God, a real walk with God, costs something. Anyone will. So the will of God is good. Do we agree with that? The will of God is obtainable. We, we can know the will of God. He's given us his word, the privilege of prayer. The light, a path of the spirit to guide us. The, the will of God, the will of God must be pursued. I mean, the will of God says, well, it must have been the will of God, garbage. You didn't pursue it. Remember that? What was that old? That's before my day. Que sera, sera. Whatever, baloney. Live case or go to hell, live in case sera, sera. You know, one of my mentors used to have a saying, an old friend of mine I just talked to him the other day, reminded me of it. He goes, what's, 
what's meaner than the devil, bigger than God, stronger than God, and if you don't stop doing it, it'll send you to hell. What's meaner than the devil? Anyone? Nothing. What's mightier than God? Nothing. And if you don't stop doing it, it'll send you to hell. Nothing. But you've got to receive him. You've got to come to him. That will's not just going to fall on you. You've got to pursue the will of God. That's why Jesus said pray for it. Didn't Jesus say that? He said you've got to pray and ask God for his will. We just don't get up and think everything's... No! A lot of people are in messes because they didn't seek God's will. They didn't make it a priority. It's obtainable, but it demands some pursuing. What's that next verse? I know i got another verse for this one. It has to be intentional and a priority, the will of God. How about that? But seek ye what? Make a priority. <laughs> seek ye first the kingdom of God and his... And all these things. Uh, everything else in life will start falling in, but the first thing is I make a priority and intention to seek the will of God. Put him first. Amen? See, it's, it's obtainable and it's good, but I've got to pursue it. It doesn't just come upon me. Remember, Jesus said, you, you receive not, but you ask not. You could have waited and sought God and asked and got direction. You could have studied the word and asked the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart before you made that move, and then you wouldn't have been sorry you made that move. Isn't that right? You ever zig when you should have zagged? Yeah, man, oh, man. Zippy Zeno. I mean, I zig, I said, Lord, have mercy here. <laughs> Pull that thing back. Oops. Oh, Lord, did it again. Oh, here we go. Amen. You've got to pursue it. What's that next one? It's under pursuing. The will of God is good. The will of God is attainable. But I've got to pursue it. I've got to make an intentional effort to seek God's will, to read that book, to seek him in prayer, to surrender my life to him. Amen. I can make the best plans I have, but before I go out and do it, I've got to say, Lord, I submit these plans to you. I've thought it through. I'm not being lazy. I've studied. I, I've prayed. I've talked it out with those around me. You know, this is what we feel. Now, Lord, what do you think? I've seen so many things. I just thought, I mean, just, just seemed to make so much sense. Spiritually, eternally. But not, not, a, I mean, I joke around about it all the time. I don't pray for it anymore, but I, I spent over 20, 25 years of my life praying to get back to Chicago. First place we were ever in full-time ministry, youth pastors, assistant pastors, up the street from Wrigley Field. Well, what a, what a place. Oh, the harvest all around you. It was something else. They got more Assembly of God churches in Plant City than the city of Chicago. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's, there's the, the great harvest. And the few, oh, loved it. We got out, we left there after a couple of years. And I prayed for some 20 years. God, bring me back. Let me go back. Folks, not even a, not even I owed it, not even a crack of a door. I mean, it made sense. Well, Lord, I got a burden for souls. Uh, you know, my, my, my style would kind of fits good. There's so much need there. I mean, people don't want to go there. We're willing to go there. We were mentored under people that had quality urban ministries and so forth, so we, we learned from them. Not a thing. Amen? Not a thing. So it's not always right. It's not always... Even spiritually, right? It looks good and it makes sense spiritually. The harvest is plentiful, the labors. But then when you present it before the Lord, see? Never an open door. God's the one that opens and closes doors, right? You see? And so again, I have to pursue it. 
I have to make it a priority. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom. Amen. I've got to commit to Him. Amen. I've got to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, acknowledge Him. And then He directs the path. I've got to acknowledge Him. I can't just do my thing and say, Lord, bless it. No, hang on. I can say, Lord, I'm acknowledging you first. You're my God. Jesus, you're my shepherd. This is the burden of my heart. I'm trusting you in this. I'm seeking you in this. Direct me in this. Show me the right way. Show me the right door. Show me the right response. But if I don't acknowledge him and I don't pursue him, and I just get leaning on my own understanding, that's what they were doing, huh? We're going to make plans. We're going to go here and there. They're trusting in themselves, trusting in their own business acumen, trusting in, you know. You reach a certain point in life, I don't care what you're doing, medical field, preaching field, business field, whatever it is, you reach a certain point and you can do it with your eyes shut. Let's be honest. You reach a point that if you can't do it, I mean, you got you in the, long, you in the wrong line <laughs> for a lot of years. Amen? You should have bailed on year five, not 35. Amen? After a while, isn't it true? But just because now that you can do something, and then, you know, when we first start now, we're crying out to God, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, you know, and everything is overwhelming when you start now. Anything. Your first days as a nurse. Your first day is overwhelming. You're, oh, Lord, please don't let something too crazy come in. You know, you're on that job. But after a while, it's like, well, you know, do it with your eyes shut. Been there, done that. And that's when we sometimes get even in a dangerous place. Because now I know in the natural I can do it. Because by God's grace, I've done it. So then it's almost easier not to acknowledge him. Then it's easy to start trusting in our own understanding. Amen? Instead of submitting it to the Lord. Because I'll tell you, he sees what we don't see. He knows what we don't know. So the the will of God, number one, it's good. So we should not be afraid of it. Amen? Let's not be afraid of it. Well, God's a good God. He's got a good will for your life. And I have to recognize that God in his mercy and his goodness, he makes it so I can know his will and walk in his will. He's given me his word. He's given me his Holy Spirit. He's given me the privilege of prayer so I can ask him. Amen? He's given me counsel. All these wonderful things. But I have to put some effort in it. I've got to pursue it, right? I've got to seek first that king. Seeking's an action word. Amen? I've got to trust in the Lord. But you know, a lot of people don't do the will of God because they're afraid. Why do you think people compromise? They get fearful. Why do you think they cut corners that they know the Bible really? They're afraid. So you've got to trust God if you're going to walk in the will of God. Amen? Because God's oftentimes, he says things. And he's, oh, 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 Lord. And if you're not trusting him, you're not going to get out of the boat. Who would? Amen? You're not going to go take on that task and go to the foreign field and you know, do all that. No, 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 not unless you really trust the Lord. I've got to trust him. And I've got to surrender my own understanding. So what do we got? Number one, it's good. It's obtainable. I got to pursue it, though. Are you pursuing the will of God? Are you reading the Bible? Are you committing situations to him? Not leaning on your own understanding. Asking him and putting him first. Amen? How about, how about um, our, our example? Our, our example is Jesus, right? What, what did Jesus say in John's gospel? I think that's our next verse up there. I'm trying to remember. Here we go. This is the words of Jesus. And he's the pattern son. Amen? We're trying to be like Jesus. 
He was the perfect son, and we're trying to imitate him to please the Father. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Wow. The will of God is not always easy, is it? Just think of the life of Jesus. You know, I used to wonder all the time when I was younger, um, you know, Jesus spent all night in prayer before he picked those disciples. And the Bible doesn't tell us why. It just gives us the fact. Obviously, it's important. Jesus prayed for important decisions, and we should pray. But sometimes I wonder, Lord, did it take you all night long just to get, hear those voices right or what? And then it dawned on me one time, boy, it must have really taken something to hear Judas. To know, and I want you to pick him. Him? And the moment you see him, you're going to betray me. He's going to sell me out. He's going to take me to a place I don't want to go. But I willingly go because it's the Father's will. The place where I say, if this cup can pass, let it pass. Sometimes in God's mercy, he lets cups pass from us. I'm thankful for that. But you know, sometimes you got to drink that cup. Amen? And if we'll do our part, like Jesus, just to submit ourselves to the will, nevertheless, your will be done. He'll give us the grace we need to endure that process and go through that drinking of the cup. The will of God. But Jesus, our example, says, I have come down not to do my will. Even Jesus, the Son of God, I didn't come here to do my thing. I came to please the Father. And that's got to be our motivation. It's got to be our motto. Amen? I'm here to please the Father. I'm here to please the Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is our introduction, but I'm liking it. Amen. Now, here we go. James presents four arguments to reveal the foolishness of ignoring the will of God or planning the future without God. Make sure God's in the equation. Make sure God's in the equation. Before you sign on the dotted line, make sure you sought the Lord. Make sure you looked in the word of God. There's four things that we'll, we'll look at one tonight. Four reasons that it's foolish to ignore the will of God. Number one, the complexity of life. Verse 13, the complexity of life. Life is complex, complicated, interrelated. How many times have we suffered in humanity for unintended consequences? We thought that thing would let the eggs slide right off that pan. But we find out it poisoned water systems and brought cancers and Life is not as easy as brilliant men think it is, and things are complicated. So I want to seek God. But the complexity of life, the uncertainty of life. Life is uncertain, is it not? Life is uncertain. You look at certain things and say, man, didn't see that coming. Just didn't see that coming. I'm a good guy. I'm a godly woman. Seek the Lord, but I did not see that coming because... There's the uncertainty of life. Then there's the brevity of life. The brevity of life. Isn't that something? The brevity of life? Wow. You never know. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. Life is short. Life is short. And then lastly, the frailty of man. The frailty of man. I'm not in, man's not in control. And I'll run with this when we get there in a couple weeks. The frailty of man. We're so proud and cocky. I remember, you know, part of me, you want, you want to giggle and you want to cry at the same time. A pandemic hits. 
You didn't take no atomic bomb, just some little old bug you can't see to close down the world, yet men are cocky. The Almighty said, I just sent a little old bug. I don't have to send the big angel to knock down 185,000. I don't got to send. Ain't that right? There's one little bug. I shut you down, but men are still cocky. Men are still arrogant. They didn't humble their hearts. They don't see the hand of God trying to get the attention of men. The men are frail. Because the best of men are just men at best. The best of men. The men are frail. I mean, so don't stay humble. Don't get cocky. I remember in the military as, as, as an EMT, one of our jobs, we would drive patients. If they weren't so bad that they had to get airlifted, we would drive patients from our post in the desert up to Tucson where the Air Force was there. You know, it's an Army Air Force deal. And I can remember being in the back with some patients if I wasn't driving, and you're going through their paperwork, taking some vital signs. And, um, you know, just being a PFC, you know, every, just about everything in the world outranks you. But back in those days, I mean, if you saw a full bird colonel, you just about, you know, I mean, you sweating just see, seeing those, see, seeing those, uh, you know, those feathers. I mean, whoo. I mean, you know, that, they, they jump. I mean, everyone's. And I remember looking down one time, this frail old guy, nothing but bones, dying away of a cancer. I look down, I see his rank and see his information as I'm going through the paper. He was a colonel. He ran so much. He had so much power and authority at one time. And now he's almost a bag of bones. Men are frail. Even the best of men. So stay humble before the Lord. Amen? Oh, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Give me, one, give me one minute. The complexity of life. Are you ready? Verse 13. Now listen, you say today or tomorrow, we'll do this, that, and the other thing. All that's involved in business, in science, in politics, in our bodies, or the effects of other people's choices, the ripple effects of life, apart from knowing God, life is a mystery. Apart from, only in Christ can we sing, this is my Father's role. Only in Christ can we sing the old song, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds. Only in Christ can you say, without Christ, Life's a mystery. Life is complex. And you can see men without God, how confused they get. The brightest of the bright, they're so, they're, they're so, they're intellectually brilliant in certain things, but morally they're ignoramuses. When you look at Ivy League schools, and they don't know what a boy is from a girl. Is there a darkness in the understanding of men? They, they, they don't know that it, a light can overwhelm them. Life is complex. And we're going to pause there because i got too much to look at there. Life is complex, so I, I'll close with this thought, but we, we don't have time to even to dig into that first thought. I thought we'd get to there. Life is complex. So let me ask you, don't you think it makes sense to invite the one that knows every hair in your head and knows when every sparrow falls. Don't you think it's wise to invite him into your life and submit and surrender your life to him? Amen? Life is complex. It's, without God, it's overwhelming. Without God, it's just too much. Without God, it can break us down. It can. Don't you think it's just wise? Seek first the kingdom and humble your hearts and say, Lord, I belong to you. I surrender. I surrender all. I'm going to put my trust in you.
We'll look at it next week. Because the Bible says in Colossians about Jesus that all things were made by him and for him. That means you. Isn't that great? You were made for God, by God and for God. And in him, Colossians 1, 17, and in him all things hold together. Your life can't fall apart if Jesus is holding it together. Life can't get unraveled when Jesus is holding you in the palm of his hand. Amen? And that's what we need because life is complex. Amen. We pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that as sons and daughters of God, we can cast our cares on you. We can commit our lives to you and know that you hold us and you lead us and you guide us. Jesus, you're our shepherd. We shall not want. You order our steps. You give us wisdom when we seek it. Your word instructs us. Your word directs us. Your Holy Spirit gives us insight, gives us understanding, pulls us back when we start going astray. We thank you, Lord, that the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And Lord, as we study this word, help us to remember life is just a myth. And we need to give you our best while we live. And we need to put you first in everything. And we need to let you order our steps. And we need to commit all of our ways to you every time, Lord. Lord, Lord, keep us from just making decisions carelessly or not committing decisions to you as we ought. But help us to live in a way where we make your will a priority and we actually give the effort to know and do your will in all things. In Jesus' name, and all God's people.